0: We've been going verse by verse through the Gospel of Matthew, and today we're continuing in that method. And we come across a passage that is a little bit sensitive. And you say, if it's sensitive in today's world, it certainly was sensitive in the first century. It's the matter of lust. And Jesus talked about it in the context of the Sermon on the Mount because he he wanted to expose some things that were true about this, this very topic. And he's trying to connect. He's trying to connect motivations and intentions to actions. You've got to remember, that's his whole point here. And so we think today of this awesome gift of the imagination that God has given us, the ability for us to imagine certain things. In fact, let's, let's have a little fun with it. I want you to put in your mind your favorite vacation spot. Put that in your mind, okay? Now, tell the person next to you what it is, where it is, all right? Tell them. okay now keep that there how how many of you for you it was the mountains it was the mountains keep your hands up mountains I would have raised my hand for the mountains Uh, how many of you it's the beach wow how many of you it was the woods like you're you're like the wild person likes to get out in the woods right yeah okay how many of you like to vacation in cities anybody you need therapy (laughs) We've got help for you. <laughs> now, now, I want you to come back here, okay? Because <laughs> I need you here for the rest of the sermon. So this is the amazing gift that God has given us to transport ourselves and our imaginations to certain places and certain scenarios and certain experiences. And, and it is a beautiful and wonderful gift that God has given us. But this gift can obviously be abused and misused. Years ago, I remember a guy telling me, about a conversation that he had in his mind with his boss. It was an anger fantasy. Any of you ever have anger <laughs> fantasy, right? And he talked about yelling and cursing at his boss, in his mind, of course, and punching him in the face. <laughs> and I said, you really thought that? He says, I've thought about it dozens of times. <laughs> so this imagination can bring good things into our lives and can actually bring harm and can be very destructive. And this is what Jesus is going to be talking about today, is the destructive force of the imagination. Now, remember, he's using this literary device where he's saying six times he's saying in the Sermon on the Mount, it began last week when we were talking about hatred. Hatred begins in the heart, is what he said. And it leads to murder in the heart. He basically said, listen, you can murder with your hands, but you can murder other people with your heart, too, by hate. And so he says this phrase, you've heard it said long ago, but I say to you. Six times he does that. You've heard it said long ago, but I say to you. Now this little device is used for two purposes. We pointed them out last week. The first purpose is this. He's trying to get people to see that his kingdom concerns matters of the heart. In the context of a religion that was very externally based of a religion where only looks on the outside mattered most Jesus was saying no your heart matters and my kingdom is a kingdom of the heart and what's in your heart is important as well Jesus in the sermon on the mount is saying what's in your heart he's saying it all throughout the sermon on the mount because he's saying what's in your heart really determines your true self and weeks from now we're going to talk about that in more detail what's in your heart The second reason that he uses this literary device is he's trying to convince self-righteous people that they fall short of God's standard. Remember the context. He was speaking to religious leaders that believed that they were justified in their righteousness before God. And they said, well, we've never murdered anybody. But Jesus is saying, listen, when you've hated in your heart, in God's economy, in God's standards, it's just as if murdering them. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you don't measure up. No one meets God's ultimate standards of holiness and perfection. If we were to earn our way into the kingdom of heaven on our own merit, we'd have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. He's trying to get these self-righteous, prideful, arrogant people to see that they're not perfect, and they're having a hard time doing it. So Jesus connects God's standards to matters of the heart. Now look in verse 27 of Matthew 5. This is the passage we're looking at today. Verses 27 through 30. Look at what Jesus says. And he begins a discourse about adultery, actually. It's in this context. And so he begins it this week. We're going to talk about this matter of lust. And then next week, it's in the context of marriage and divorce. We're going to talk about those next week. Look at what he says, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, there's that device, but I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Again, connecting intentions to actions. Verse 29, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. These are strong, countercultural words. Think of the context of the propriety of the first century. Think about Jesus even saying these words publicly. And yet, they're powerful because they're true. He's right on the money. And so, what he does here in these verses, he points out really three things. First of all, he points out the problems, the deepest problems of the heart of these people that were there. The real problems, the real issues of the heart. That's what he's doing. Then he points out the symptoms of that problem. What is the true symptom? How is that problem expressed? And then he offers a solution. So let's look at the problems, first of all. They're really threefold. This is what these people were doing. And this is is basically what he was challenging them about. First of all, they were dishonoring marriage. Now, we'll see more of this next week when we talk about it in that context. But they were dishonoring the marriage vows. These religious leaders... You see, they were thinking that they were being true to their marriage because they have never participated in the act of adultery. Jesus is connecting that idea to the heart, though, remember. And he's basically saying this adultery means, in God's economies, in in God's eyes, it, it doesn't mean merely cheating, but it means unfaithfulness to the covenant that you've made to God and you've made to your spouse. And Jesus is saying, you can do that in your heart, you can dishonor your marriage. And you think you're righteous, but I'm here to say to you that you're dishonoring your spouse. You're dishonoring your wife. You're degrading your marriage by the way that you're looking at other women. And you think you've not committed adultery, but I say to you that you've done it in your heart. They're degrading the marriage relationship. Secondly, they're objectifying women. And it was taking place back then, but boy, there's a lot of this going on today. folks. let's just be honest. There's a lot of it going on today. Women being looked upon as mere objects. I've said it before. I'll say it time and time again, that the New Testament elevates the place of women in the marriage and in society. Where would you be, women, without Jesus and Paul? We're... we're, Paul would say a man ought to lay down his life for his wife. The the symbol of the love that a husband should have for his wife is the cross. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church by dying for it. That's the image. And so Jesus elevates the place of women, whereas in this context they were objectifying women. Women were mere property to be used. And Jesus is saying, it's not right. It's not right. Next. The final problem. These are the deep issues, remember. The final problem is that they were degrading love. Degrading love. Man, our world has twisted love. Such a subtle ploy of the enemy. Satan doesn't come along and say, don't love your spouse. Don't love someone he doesn't say that instead he redefines love where love equals lust in today's world you've heard the phrase making love that has very little to do with love many times the degrading and the debasing of love was taking place i mean you've seen the sitcoms can you get away from how how filled is this young people are attacked with images about the definition of love that is perverted and is wrong and is twisted. Pure love is wanting the best for another individual, not the worst. Pure love is righteous, not unrighteous. So they were degrading and debasing the very definition of love. So those are the problems. How were these problems expressed? What was the symptom that reflected those things that were in the heart? Here was the symptom, lust. Lust. This was the expression of the heart that objectified women, that perverted what love was really all about, that dishonored marriage. It was expressed in this thing of lust. And just like last week, remember last week we talked about these were very strong words. It's not just about feeling ill will towards someone. It was hate. That's a strong emphatic word. It's not just about saying, oh, that guy's a fool. It's about placing a moral judgment upon someone to say that they are foolish, they are empty-headed, they are brainless, they are worth nothing. It's a judgment both now and for eternity. Those are very serious things in God's economy. The same thing is true here. This word lust is a strong, strong, emphatic word. It means lustful intent. That's why uh, the Bible interprets it that way with intention in his heart lustful intent it's not just looking at a woman casually it's not just a casual glance it's looking with the intention of committing adultery it's looking with the intention of acting upon that look and so here again jesus is connecting motivation intention to action he is really saying this listen sin you've got to get this because if you think it's just about external practices and behavior you're missing the whole point jesus is saying sin begins in the heart and that's why we have the admonition from the Bible that verse in the Old Testament that says guard your heart above all else for it is the wellspring of life the heart is the source of all behavior so guard it, protect it now what's the solution look in verses 29 and 30 these are some very radical words And you go, what's he saying? Look at verse 29. Jesus says, listen, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. Wow, okay. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body go into hell. Now Jesus is obviously being metaphorical here. He's not talking about literally plucking out your eye or literally cutting off your right hand. Here is what he's saying. First of all, he's saying deal radically with sin. Deal radically with it. Deal swiftly with it. That's the point. I don't know anyone that goes into a marriage saying, I'm going to cheat on my spouse. I don't know anyone that's ever done that. Here's the subtle error that we make in our thinking, though. We think that supersized moral blunders come randomly and suddenly. That is rarely the case. That is very uncommon. Instead, when someone makes a huge moral blunder, you can almost be sure that they've made dozens of smaller choices that have led up to it. And Jesus is saying, listen, if something is causing you to sin then deal radically and swiftly with it. Don't play with fire or you'll get burned. Don't put yourself in a context for losing because if you put yourself in a losing situation, you will likely lose. Deal radically with sin. Secondly, he's saying this. Separate from the source. Separate yourself from the source of that sin. That just makes sense, right? It's common sense. And yet, there are so many Christians who have very little discretion, little to no discretion about what they watch, what they read, the movies that they will go to, what they will listen to, the the deep friendships that they will keep that are hurtful to them. And Jesus is saying, listen, you've got to separate from the source. Sadly, many naive Christians will go and see the movie Fifty Shades of Grey. And they'll say to themselves, it doesn't bother me. It's such a naive statement to make. What what that does, what those images do to the imagination, how it supports the degrading and the objectifying of women, the debasing of love, what that does is tragic. And yet there are many, many Christians that don't connect those dots and they think it's a free-for-all. I'm here to say to you that it's not a free-for-all we should have discretion in christ we should make good choices because sometimes the impact is more subconscious than it is conscious sometimes these things take root in our heart and they prick the imagination and they lead to thoughts let alone actions that are hurtful to people years ago i read a story about a man in Tampa, Florida who had a 12-foot pet python snake in his house. Now, I don't know why. (laughs) Somehow the, the snake had escaped its cage and police were called to his house and while he was sleeping, the python had attached itself to his hand and was working his way up the man's arm while he slept. Now, how he didn't wake up, um, maybe he was drunk or something like that. True story: when they arrived, when the EMTs and the police arrived, the python had worked his way up to his bicep, was swallowing this man. And so they start pulling on the snake, trying to get him off the guy's arm. And it wasn't working. So they start beating the snake. You know what the man yelled? He yelled, Don't kill my snake! Don't kill my snake. What he didn't understand was the only way to free him from the snake was to kill it. The only way to deal with it was to kill it. And some of you are playing with snakes that are very dangerous. But oh no, you don't want to get rid of it. And Jesus would come to you and say, kill the snake. Because in time, the snake is going to eat you alive. If you struggle in these areas, admit the struggle first. Speak the truth to yourself about yourself. That's the first step toward wholeness and health. But then, deal with it radically. I have known men, very courageous men, very godly men, who have struggled in this particular area, who got rid of cable TV, who put internet filters on their computers. Men who ask other men to hold them accountable. I know one guy that actually got rid of his television because he was willing to deal radically and swiftly with the source of sin in his life. And good for him. He put into practice what Jesus was saying. So deal radically with it, separate from the source. And here's the last thing. Replace with the positive. Replace the negative with the positive. You know, in case you haven't learned yet, it's almost impossible to break a well-established pattern of thought by telling someone to stop thinking it. Uh, Let me give you a little example here, a little exercise. Stop thinking about the color black. Stop thinking about the color black. Stop thinking it. (laughs) Now, let me ask you a series of questions. All right? I don't want you to answer out loud, but just in your mind, answer these questions. What color is milk? What color is snow? What color are marshmallows? What color are clouds? What have you done? You've replaced one with the other. You stop thinking about black because you thought about the color white. It's a very simple principle. Garbage in, garbage out. Good things in, good things out. You don't get rid of darkness by focusing on getting rid of it. You focus on darkness by dispelling it with light. Light dispels darkness. That's why Paul would say in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Really good advice for you and me. Jesus would say later on in the Sermon on the Mount, he would say the eye is the lamp of the body. Others have taken that and paraphrased it to say the eye is the gateway to the soul. It really is. It's the window to the soul. And what we allow in affects us. It's naive and it's dangerous to think that it doesn't. But just as the bad affects the heart, so does the good. So if we replace, if we substitute good things with those negative things, then it pushes out so memorize scripture. What you read is important. Be selective to fill your mind with the right things. And in time, you will be very surprised to how the cloud of darkness goes away. Because of the light of truth. Now, in conclusion, I, I told you in the email this week, as we approach this subject and even next week, that these subjects tend to bring up about a lot of guilt and shame. And some of you right now are really, you know, you're struggling. Because God's speaking to you. He's speaking to you about your choices. He's speaking to you about what you're letting into the window of your mind and into your soul. He's speaking to you about secrets that you're keeping. And I want to say to you that a measure of guilt and shame like that is not always a bad thing. Particularly when it corrects us. You know, we run from guilt. We run from shame. And I'm saying to you that there's sometimes guilt and shame is a good tool in our lives. It can be undue. It can be manipulated. It can lead to self-condemnation. That's not what we're talking about here today. Because God today stands before you. God is gracious. He is loving. And I'll tell you how He's gracious and loving. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 9... Here is the promise from the scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I have a feeling that there's some in the room today who need to be forgiven. Now here's the good news. Based upon God's character, who he is, the Bible says he is faithful and righteous faithful and just he will forgive us every time not only though does he forgive us that verse says he cleanses us it's a beautiful word in the scripture and i have a sense that some of you this morning you've got such darkness you've got patterns of behavior that it's cloaked you with a sense, please hear me when I say this, with a sense of filth and impurity. In reality, you feel dirty. And I'm here to say to you that God cleanses a soul like that when He forgives you, and it's instantaneous. This morning, if you turn to Christ, he will forgive you and he will cleanse you and he will restore purity in your heart and he will shine light in that darkness and that darkness will be dispelled. It can happen by your confession, by your willingness to let God forgive you. And cleanse you. We're talking about the kingdom of God. The kingdom within. It's all about now God reigning in our lives. That God being king within. That we allow him to be the king and the Lord of our lives. And that means to cooperate with him in the processes of becoming holy. It means to heed his word. To do what he wants. And if we will have the courage and faith to do that. Then we will see a different kind of life result. Here's the other thing that's true though. Another way that God is gracious and loving is for Jesus to speak words to us just like he did today. He loves you too much not to tell you the truth. And I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that kind of love. Because I don't need more of what I want to hear. I need more truth in my life. Would it be wrong for a doctor not to tell you that you have cancer if you have cancer just because he wanted to be loving and understanding of you? Wouldn't be a very good doctor, would it? All the while you not knowing and all the while the cancer growing, ultimately leading to your death. That wouldn't be loving. Jesus loves us to speak the truth to us. And he comes with these stern words to say to you and to me, he wants to shine light in those dark places. Because those dark places end up hurting us in the long term. And he loves us too much to want to hurt us like that. So thank God that Jesus is courageous enough in the first century to say to those people on that hillside, listen, the kingdom of God is about your heart. Look at your heart. What's in your heart? For God in his providence to record these words by this tax collector Matthew. And for this to be preserved for 2,000 years where we could read it here today in 2015 and the same power of the words that Jesus said on the hillside would come and penetrate our hearts today too, to speak the truth to us because he loves us. Thank God he loves us that much. So, friends, here's the truth. Sexual lusting, flirting is exactly like cancer. It really is. If you have a problem with it, you don't do something about it, it will grow. It will grow. It will get out of control. It will empower itself until it separates you from God. Maybe God's word to you today is kill the snake. Kill the snake. And then begin to walk in the light of God's love walk in the grace knowing that he forgives you that he cleanses you and that every time you mess up and there'll be those times it will happen there's a God who stands ready to forgive you and to cleanse you and to give you the strength to move forward are you thankful that we have a God like that I am let's stand for closing prayer young people so proud of you I know you're going off to the youth meeting. It is so great to see all of you here today. We need to pray for our teenagers. They are faced, I mean, this message today, they are faced with these messages and these perversions, and we need to pray that God protects them as well. Let's bow together. Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus loving us so much that he would speak the truth to us. And so, Father... Um, help us to heed your word today however it applies if it means finding grace and forgiveness God may that be the case if there's self-condemnation in this room help people to know that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus if it's conviction about sin about patterns of behavior about thoughts and God help us to bring those to you as well We give ourselves to you asking for the strength, the inner resources, Father, to walk as citizens in your kingdom. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you all. Have a great week.